Hey everybody, I'm Mike Yeager, and I want to thank you for checking us out. Welcome to Vessel. We're so excited to get things rolling here in Meadows Place. It has been a blast so far. If you're in the Meadows or nearby in Southwest Houston or Fort Bend County, Stafford, we would love to meet you. Or if you know anyone in the area searching for a Christian community that is Jesus-centered, justice-minded, and a safe and inclusive place for all people. We are gathering regularly through the fall during this initial planting season and invite you to join us on this shared journey of healing and hope. Here's the message from this weekend, and we pray it is a blessing to you. Good morning, everybody. All right, I used to have an old boss who would start every meeting with, how are you showing up today? And I felt like that was actually a really good exercise. It kind of eased the room, made everybody understand how everybody was showing up. Um, and I feel the need to tell you how I'm showing up as well. So I have had a sick kid or a sick husband in my house um, at varying times since Tuesday, and we thought we were over it. And then um, the fourth one went down for the count yesterday, so she's at home. Um, and I slept on the couch last night. Wasn't a great sleep because I was trying to be with her. Um, so that's how I'm showing up tonight, or today. See, I don't even know what day, what time it is. Um, but I also want to acknowledge, I know that all of you are showing up in different ways and you're all showing up. You've, you're thinking about different things. Your minds may be elsewhere. Um, and I just want to thank you for coming today. Um, so I live here in the meadows. I think you all know me. Um, but I do have a few disclaimers and the way my brain works is I actually want to give you like a hundred disclaimers about what I'm about to say. Um, but I will only give you a few. Um, Mike asked me to preach, obviously, but I have zero theological background. I have zero preaching background. Um, and so that's what you get today. You just get a regular old person. Um, but when Mike asked me initially, I was like, sure, yeah, that's great. And then as I started thinking about what I was going to talk about, I had a moment where may maybe many of us have this, and probably even Mike has this, of like, who am I? Who am I to stand up here in sort of this place of authority? I mean, no one has said it's a place of authority, but I think we all see that, right? Um, and tell you anything about God, because I don't know any more than you do, and many of you know way more than I do. Um, but the conclusion I came to is that I think that when we share with each other just our experiences of God, our understanding of God, our own experiences in life, I think that we better see the fullness of God. I think we see the way that God works in a way that maybe another person can't understand or hasn't experienced. Um, and so with that, that's sort of my offering today. So it's not a super theologically based or even scripturally based message. It's more my story. It's more, um, I guess, what was on my heart. And I hope that it speaks to you. I hope God can use it. Um, so with all that out of the way, I think it's helpful before I start to sort of name my background with the church. Um, my very first memory of the church was going to like first communion classes with my friends. Um, I think it was an Episcopal church. If I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. Um, but I don't recall even going on Sundays necessarily. I spent a lot of time at my friend's house. Um, their mom took care of me like after school and into the evenings often. And so I would just go to first communion classes with them. I just kind of thought it was like another school. That was my first experience. And then my family and I moved to another town and I got invited to a Baptist church there. 
Um, and I went and I think I had been going for a while and then I went to vacation Bible school and I got saved. And the reason I say got saved in quotes is because literally my little sister, so I was like in fourth grade at the time, my little sister was in first grade. Um, and she came home and she's like, I'm getting saved tomorrow. And I was like, what does that mean? And she's like, we go to the church in the front of the church and we say, uh, we believe in Jesus. And I was like, okay. That sounds cool. And so that was literally like my, my got, I got saved story. Um, but I had a really beautiful experience there. There were people there that loved me so well. Um, I think it was just a really beautiful church, a beautiful moment in time for that church. Um, I do look back on some things and I'm kind of like, ooh, don't love that. But in the moment, in the time, I was completely unaware of any like damaging theological stances or denominational divides. I had no clue about any of that. Um, anyway, my family moved to another, to another uh, town. I went to another Baptist church, but almost immediately upon getting there, um, there was this big scandal with the pastor, with the lead pastor. And I don't remember it being like super impactful, but as I think back on it, I feel like that probably shaped sort of my feelings of both the pedestals that we put leaders on and pastors on, but also my understanding of the church. So for the next four years, we had interim pastors, and then I think we had like two different pastors that were supposed to be the permanent pastors. So for me, church at the time was the people. It was the people that were there. It was not necessarily the pastor at the front. Um, and honestly, those years were probably some of the most pure and beautiful years in my Christian life. Um, I was in the church every single time the doors were open. I mean, I should have lived there. I should have paid them rent. Um, maybe that's what a tithe is. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but I had a youth pastor and a campus minister because I went to a private high school who really challenged us to um, think deeply about our faith and figure out our own faith and not necessarily sort of the surf surface level um, faith that we just grabbed from our parents. Um, they were definitely more about quantity than quali quality, not quantity. Um, so it wasn't these big showy youth groups. Um, sometimes it was just like eight to 10 of us in a room and just like being silent with a piece of scripture. Um, there certainly weren't lights and big bands and all these crazy things. Um, I also had one of those little uh, teen devotional Bibles that was like, my most prized possession probably. Like that thing was written in, it was, there were notes everywhere, it was highlighted, and I felt like every line of scripture just jumped out at me, spoke to me. Um, I still have it, I still love it, but I will admit um, my relationship with the Bible is not the same anymore. <laughs> um, but after high school, I took a year off before college to go serve with some missionaries in former East Germany. And ironically, I think that this is where my love for the church started unraveling. So the missionaries I worked with were beautiful people. I love them. Um, they were doing amazing work. The work we did was fun. I worked in a coffee shop. I taught English in high schools. I um, hosted these like English roundtables for people who were wanting to learn English. Um, and it was a really formative time in my life. Also, I had to come face to face with how Americanized my faith was. And even the things that I thought were biblical, I had to realize those things were taught to me from the Bible, but through an American lens. And that kind of changed everything for me. And I just started thinking like, what is true? Like what is even 
I don't even know what's true anymore, right? Um, I also had to really think about, like, did I think that evangelism was actually the right approach to a people who had been killed and persecuted just a few decades earlier? Like, they were still, some of them were still alive who had experienced this, um, being behind the Great Wall. Um, and like, was evangelism the right answer? And so all these questions as an 18 and 19 year old um, just led me down this path of like, what is church and what is God and what is all the things? Um, but I also experienced a real Sunday morning community there. So Germans as a people generally are very intentional with their words and very literal with their words. And so if you ask them how they are, they are going to tell you. Like, it is not one of these Americans like, hi, how are you? I'm good, great, have a day, great day, bye. Um, if you're like, hey, how are you? They're like, well, let me tell you, this morning my stomach was so upset and my dog is just having these problems. And they're gonna tell you everything and you're like, oh, Okay, um, but it was no different on Sunday morning. So the beauty of that is that you would show up on Sunday morning and you would leave and you knew what was going on in people's lives and they knew what was going on in your life. And I had not really experienced that before. Um, so I come home from Germany and I start trying out different churches and every single one of them annoyed me. Um, it felt like a beauty pageant when I walked in. It felt like I had to put a, a plaster a smile on my face. It felt like um, everything was shallow, everything was a show, and I was done. I was like this close to writing off church, and then I found this startup church that reminded me of the community that I had in Germany. And also I met Kurt there, so. Uh, <laughs> so this sounds like a happy ending. I found my way back to church, right? But this isn't the case. For the last 20 years, which also that makes me feel old being able to say that. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly questioning religion and the church. And rarely is it me questioning God, although I often question my understanding of him. Um, but it's in these years that I've seen behind the curtain of church and parachurch organizations. And surprise, Jesus wasn't back there. So as I'm thinking about this, the way my brain works is I like to think in metaphors. And so imagine life as a concert. I think that we've set the church to be the headline band, the main attraction, but Jesus isn't backstage orchestrating at all. It's just more humans. And we could argue Jesus should be on the stage anyway. But from my experience, I found that Jesus is in the crowds. He's out there giving hugs and passing out water. He doesn't even like necessarily care what's going on on stage. So I'm about to be super honest with you, and Mike has already read this, so it's okay. But when I first heard that Mike wanted to start a church here, most of me was like, ugh. <laughs> and a small portion of me felt hopeful and curious. And the ugh could be translated as like, what's the point? Or, but I'm tired. Or, I've seen this before, I know how this ends, um, or a host of other similar phrases. But ultimately my attitude was rooted in this really deep and visceral feeling of I am over the church. I'm over it. I was in a place that I did not see the point of church. I just wanted to give out hugs and water in my everyday life. That's what I wanted to do. But I've come to understand that the church is just one way to get 
tickets to this concert we call life. It's just one way to see the fullness of God. You can also get tickets through your own understanding or in the kindness of a stranger or witnessing forgiveness or a gentle word. Or this past week at Mike's house, he um, taught me and us about the Westland Quadrilateral. So you can see the fullness of God through reason and tradition and experience and scripture. Or a third way to look at it, and a much more poignant uh, metaphor than mine, according to Richard Rohr, is that religions should be understood as only the fingers that point to the moon, not the moon itself. So here I am about a year ago with an invitation to be a part of the startup church, but very much feeling over the church. And maybe that's where you are. You're over it and you're drawn to it. So what do we do with that? How and why do we choose to engage with church when it sometimes feels really, really, really pointless and broken? And I really had to wrestle with this. And to be honest, I'm still wrestling with this. And it's really easy for me to think of all the ways that the church has failed me or that I just don't feel like I need the church. Um, But it's been a harder exercise, sadly, to ask some of these questions. How has the church brought beauty and goodness into my life? How has the church pointed me to Jesus? In what ways, in my most hopeful interpretation, can the church better my children? And in what ways can I imagine the church beyond a building or a Sunday morning service? And when I really distill my experience of the church to the most important moments and impact, there's some really beautiful things that come out. Other adults loving me unconditionally, they were my village when I really, really needed it. Um, It gave me a sense of purpose and belonging as a teenager, which is very hard to find sometimes at that age. It constantly challenged me to be a better person, to do the really hard thing in love, and to look for ways to help people constantly. And it gave me a context in which to see myself. And again, especially as a teenager, I think this was important that I saw myself not as the center of attention, but as part of a cosmic story of a loving God who knows and sees and loves all of his creation. And these are things that I still want and things that I want for my children. But moving forward past the I'm over it stage is super hard. And it requires that I leave behind some old beliefs and understandings and forge new ways of engaging with the church. And so through my wrestling, I realized that for me, and I think these are going to be different for everybody, but for me, engaging with the church no longer looks like using the Bible, written and translated so many times over, to justify or prove a point based on a really specific passage or a really specific translation or a really specific word. It no longer looks like a rigid commitment to attendance, volunteerism, the furthering of a particular people group. It no longer looks like denying my deep inner knowing and wisdom because I believe that God put that there. It no longer looks like believing that humans are completely depraved unless they accept Jesus. And it no longer looks like showing up with a smile on my face to protect an image. It does mean acknowledging God's presence in every person and the gift and ability we all have to reflect the heart of God. It does mean seeing the Bible as a story in which I'm a part and as an invitation into radical love. It does mean recognizing church isn't just what happens on Sundays or in a particular building. We are the church. Each of us is the church. And so every act of love and grace and reconciliation is an act of the church and for God. 
It means a daily commitment to live like Jesus and a commitment to those in this room to seek truth and love in a way that honors everyone's unique stories, gifts, and understandings. And it means showing up holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, good, bad, and ugly, even when you've slept on the couch the night before, and trusting you all to hold that with tenderness and grace, and then I'll turn around and offer the same to you. And all of these things are bound in love. And this is the call of the church, not Sunday services. To live unusually committed to love at all times, at all costs, as a response to the giver of life and love himself. So when I go back to that question, in what ways can I imagine the church beyond a building or a Sunday morning service? I think that's where the rub has been for me, is that I've been focused on sort of Sunday mornings and what Sunday mornings give me or what can I give to Sunday mornings. But I think that I need to start thinking about what the church is for me every other day of the week. As co-creators with with God, which I think that we are, we have the ability to bring things to life, to bring things into this world, and we can bring vibrancy and beauty and community and healing and love into the world. We can provide for the physical needs of people as an act of love. We can speak divine truth into our neighbor and heal their brokenness. We can call out our gifts to see in others and encourage them to show up as their fullest, most authentic selves, and we can show love to those who really don't deserve it as a way of pointing them to Jesus. But rarely do these things happen spontaneously. It requires intentionality and vulnerability, and I think intentionality is really clear here. I think I wanna talk a little bit on vulnerability. So if you've ever had that moment where you wanna like tell someone something and encourage them, like, I really see this gift in you, or, um, I really want to tell you, like, you are a great mom, but you feel super awkward. You're like, what if they think I'm a total weirdo? Um, That's vulnerable, right? But that's what I'm talking about. I think to be sensitive to the promptings of the spirit takes vulnerability. I think to live authentically as yourself in the fullness of who God created you to be requires vulnerability. And you're risking people's perception of you and when you love radically or speak truth in love, and it all requires vulnerability. So if the people of the church aren't intentional and vulnerable with each other and in the ways that they move about the world, I really believe that we will fail to create the world that God intended for us, this heaven on earth where everything is beautiful and healed and communal and full of love. And ultimately, that's what I believe the purpose of the church is, is this intentional gathering of people who are committed to bringing heaven to earth in our everyday actions. A gathering of people who believe in the goodness of God and the radical, confusing goodness of his people. And I know that we can argue that people suck. (laughs) Um, But I also believe that there is real goodness in the world. And I want to look for that and I want to be that. I think church can be a gathering of people who demonstrate unfounded generosity and ludicrous kindness, a gathering of people who are inexplicably committed to the ups and downs of each other's lives, and a group of people who are intentional and real. So it's sometimes hard for me to imagine that girl in high school who was in church every single Sunday or every single time the door was open, who was completely in love with Jesus, whose Bible was her most prized possession, And I wonder how I got here. And honestly, if I've got it all wrong. And I wonder if that girl would be like super disappointed in where I am now. But I think like in all things, um, 
we grow and we change and our understanding of the world morphs um, with maturity, with experience, with all the things. And so around here we use a lot of Scott Erickson art and I saw this one a few months ago and it was a balm to my church weary soul. An abbreviated version of his caption says, it's painful to outgrow the form you've called your home for such a long time. And religious practice is hard because all religious practice is about identity and where we feel like we belong. But the wonder and the gift of transformation is this, awakening to the truth that your shell was never your home, the ocean is. So I'll leave you with this. I believe that the church at its best comes back to love. I believe the Bible at its best comes back to love. And I believe that Jesus and everything that he stood for and everything he modeled comes back to love. And so when the church fails me, when the Bible feels confusing, when our understanding of Jesus falters, all I can do is come back to love. But I do think that that requires us to think about the ways, the things that we kind of need to leave behind that will no longer serve us. And I would encourage you to kind of think through those things, but also to think about the ways in which you want to engage with church and the reasons that you are drawn to it here today. And I hope that we all can remain curious and hopeful no matter where we've come from on this journey. Um, but that's why I'm here. That's why, even with my feelings, um, I do believe in groups of people who can intentionally love the world around them. And I hope that you do too.